Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Andy Patton, who's the host of the Locked On Zags podcast, as well as the former host of Score Zag Score, knows a lot of stuff when it comes to Gonzaga. Andy, I really appreciate you joining us this afternoon, man. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. I'm excited for this game on Thursday. It's going to be a fun one. Yeah, absolutely. So tell us about Gonzaga so far this year. Last year, go to the national championship game. They were the number one team pretty much all year long. Fell short against Baylor. Probably a little bit of redemption trying to be had this year. But overall, just how have you been able to grade out Gonzaga's performance and all up to this point? Yeah, you know, it's, it's interesting. Last year's team obviously was good. Right out of the shoots, first game was against Kansas. They played Iowa, Virginia within their first three games and beat them all pretty handily and didn't didn't lose at all until obviously that national championship game. So I think a lot of people looked at this year's team and thought, oh, they're, they're worse because they, they lost early season games. They had some close games against teams that they had no business playing close games against. Uh, and I think that they're not as good offensively, certainly. Uh, Jalen Suggs, Corey Kispert, Joel Iyayi were all just instrumental pieces in that backcourt on last year's team. Uh, but this year's team is, is much improved defensively uh, from last year's squad. They have a lot more front court depth. Obviously, Chet Holmgren, a huge part of that. Uh, and I think that those early season losses were a part of a, a team with three freshmen out of their eight rotation players. So you're talking about a much younger team. Mark Few told everybody all season long in December, November, when they were struggling, like, hey, this team's going to get better. And I think people were so spoiled by last year's team being good right away, even though you know, one of their critical pieces last year, Suggs, was obviously a freshman as well. And I think you're starting to see this team really come together. And, and they had a phenomenal run for the WCC, which is not uncommon. Uh, faced some challenges in the, in the NCAA tournament so far, a real barn burner against Memphis to, to even advance here into the Sweet 16. But uh, I, I think this team is, is balanced. They're, they have a decent amount of depth. Their front court is massively improved from last year. And part of the, the struggles against that Baylor team were, uh, Baylor's guard's ability to get to the rim with ease, and nobody was really there to stop them. And now that's that's not the case anymore with Chet uh, on the roster. So, a, a very good team, significantly different from last year's team, but I don't think really dramatically better or worse either direction. Still really good up front, and Drew Timmy returning was a, a bit of a surprise to most people out there, and it was mm-hmm. good for Gonzaga. But uh, as far as guard play, how, how's that been this year? It was really good and always has been good, but. Uh, you know, Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren, they get all the headlines. So what about guard mm-hmm. play? Yeah, I think that's that's kind of Gonzaga's secret weapon uh, in a way. Uh, th- this year in general, guard play has kind of just been down. There's a lot of metrics that say that the best players in the league this year are almost all front court players. Uh, you know, there's obviously a, few, a handful of great guards that are going to go into the NBA with Jaden Ivey. But I think for the most part, guard play has kind of been down. And, and we look at the history of the NCAA tournament, really good veteran guard play has almost always been a recipe for success, which is part of the reason that this matchup is so fun is because both sides have that in a lot of ways. Uh, Andrew Nembhardt has been the best pure point guard in the country in terms of his ability to facilitate, his ability to score when necessary, his defense. Uh, And last year he had some struggles with some physicality up front. That was part of Gonzaga's struggles against Baylor, was not being able to handle that. Uh, but he's he's the engine that turns what Gonzaga does. If you look at the losses they have had and the, and even the wins they've had that were pretty ugly wins, it's almost always because he did not have his best game. When he is playing at his best, that's the version of Gonzaga that blows the doors off UCLA like they did in November. That's the version of Gonzaga that that scores 110 points on teams 
in conference play. Like that's the second half of that Memphis game when Gonzaga came storming back. Yes, Drew Timmy scored 11 points in four minutes, and that's what got all the headlines, like you said. But Andrew Nembhard was the reason, unquestionably, that they came back in that game and have had the success that they have had this year. Uh, Roz Bolton, the graduate transfer from Iowa State, won two games last year with the Cyclones, is so happy to be on a team that's winning games again this year. He's been a huge part of this team's success as well. Far and away, the most unsung player on the roster was WCC honorable mention, which was a crime considering the statistics that he put up this year and the impact he has had on his team. He had 17 in that game against Memphis as well. And I think, you know, the, so much attention, like you said, is paid, paid to Drew Timmy, to Chet Holmgren, and for a very good reason. But uh, most of Gonzaga's success this year and any wins in close games have been because specifically because of Andrew Nembhard and what he's been able to do as the team's point guard. Now, Andy, every great team, especially number one overall seeds and one seeds in the tournament, as great as they are, they always have at least a little bit of a weakness. And with Gonzaga, you know, mm-hmm. they've lost three games this year, so it's not like they've lost a whole lot. But what's mm-hmm. the recipe to beating Gonzaga? Like, what is the thing that they struggle with the most this year? The, the biggest thing that they've struggled with, and this is part of the reason I'm very fascinated by this game, is when, when they cannot dictate the pace and the tempo. That's been a huge struggle. And Randy Bennett's squad at St. Mary's has, you know, they've been these two teams have been playing each other two or three times a year for over a decade. So the coaches are very familiar with each other. And Bennett, he did a really good job in the uh, the last regular season game of the year of really forcing Gonzaga to play slow. They could not get out in transition because St. Mary's was getting back as soon as the shot went up. They could they had to do everything through the half court sets. And they bottled up Drew Timmy and Chet Holmgren in ways that really forced them to have to get rid of the basketball or struggle to get the basketball. And this is what Memphis had success doing in the first half before foul trouble really kind of hampered them in the second half is don't let Drew Timmy get the basketball. Because once he gets the basketball, it's, I don't want to say it's over, but it's pretty close to over. His, his ability to finish around the rim is extraordinary. His ability to draw contact is extraordinary. He's not a good free throw shooter and that's been a huge issue for them lately but even you know in these tournament games while he has been struggling from the line him drawing so much contact and getting to the line has has forced the opposing teams to have to get into their depth a little bit more so if teams can not allow Gonzaga to get out in transition uh, and can really bottle up Drew Timmy or not let him get the basketball those are kind of the best avenues to success uh, and putting a lot of pressure the best way to do that, I suppose, is putting a lot of pressure on Andrew Nembhard, on Rasheer Bolton. Make them get rid of the basketball as soon as they cross half court. Don't let them get set with those high pick and rolls because if they can kind of get into their offensive rhythm and start doing that stuff, they, they got a really good chance of scoring. Looking back at these first two games in the tournament, uh, has anything surprised you so far? Because Gonzaga got off to a slow start against Georgia State. Mm-hmm. Was that something more so that you just chalk it up to first game in the tournament? compared to what they've done all season, uh, anything that stands out in these first two games? Uh, the free throw shooting has been horrendous. That's the thing that stands out the most. Uh, they, they really struggled uh, in both games, the entire game. You know, they, they had much better second half, uh, but the free throw shooting didn't really tick up. They were very fortunate that Andrew Nembhard was the one with the basketball in his hands in the last few minutes against Memphis because he was knocking down his free throws. But, Pretty much everybody else on the team has, has really struggled from the line. Uh, the outside shooting has been questionable. Uh, Julian Strother, a huge part of what they have done offensively this year, uh, has been the team's leading scorer in probably close to 10 games this year, but he has not made a three-pointer yet, and that's, he's a 40% shooter. That's been a, a big problem for them. Uh, and I think other than that, it hasn't been as surprising. I think Georgia State and Memphis were both teams that 
could really give Gonzaga different looks. They had they they tried different things. You know, Memphis is a team that has more turnovers than anybody in the country, only had three in the first half, so they played phenomenal basketball, which is the hats off to Penny Hardaway and that team for, for being ready to go in that game. But I think for Gonzaga, the, the free throw shooting has been a huge issue. Uh, the outside shooting has been spotty. Chet Holmgren has, has played very well, especially defensively, but his ability to hit three-point shots is a huge part of what this team does. And he has, I think he's won for his last 15 from three. And that's, if that trend continues uh, for any of the rest of their games, I mean, it, if he's not hitting threes against Arkansas, they're going to run into some problems there. So I think those are the things that, that hopefully the staff is working on uh, for their sake. But I think uh, it, it is the kind of stuff that could put them in trouble in, in any of the rest of the games. Randy, just from doing your kind of your research and everything and looking like a team like Arkansas, do you feel like mm-hmm. Gonzaga will be will Arkansas be a problem? Like will Arkansas in the way they play and the style they play, is that something you think that Gonzaga will struggle a little bit, or do you think that uh this is the type of team that they can really have a lot of success against? It'll be really interesting. I think it'll kind of depend on, on Arkansas's game plan. They're they're a very well coached team, uh, a very analytically savvy team. I think both those things will work to their advantage. Uh, they're not a very big team, which is probably the, the biggest advantage that Gonzaga has. Uh, very few teams in the country can match up with Screw Timmy and Chet Holmgren in their starting lineup. Uh, we've seen teams who don't have the size still be able to match up well with them, so it's not necessarily a deal-breaker. Uh, I think it kind of depends on how much Arkansas attempts to get out in transition. I saw a stat recently that said that they're 13-1 and when they have less than 70 possessions, and they're 12-7. and in faster-paced games, uh, I, there's, it's possible that some of that is a little bit fluky. I don't know how much it necessarily means, but uh, we saw Memphis, who's top 35 team in the country in pace, they straight up just tried to run with Gonzaga. Their plan was, we are going to run with this team. And in the second half, there were dudes on their team, like, doubled over coming out of the game because they were exhausted. And meanwhile, Andrew Nemphard was still getting out. They were getting out on made baskets. They were just running and running and running and running. And they're a top-two team in the country in pace for a reason. So if Arkansas tries to run with them, obviously they have extremely talented guard play. J.D. Note is extraordinary. And I think they will definitely be able to keep things really close. But if they try to run for a full 40 minutes, not a lot of teams have been able to do that. And I think if they tried to do that, Gonzaga would be able to pull away in the second half like they did against Memphis. But they've been a very good team this year when they slow it down and if they can if they can get Gonzaga off their game and force them to have to play half-court offense for a full 40, that, that could definitely keep this thing very, very close. Gonzaga goes into every season with high expectations to win a championship, and they've gotten closer over the years as far as number one seed, the number one overall seed this year, getting to the championship game last year. But overall, how do fans feel about this team and wanting to see them finally break through? Yeah, we're at the point now with this program where it's, it's kind of championship or bust. You know, this year there is there is no consolation prize. <laughs> Making it to the championship for the third year in the last five years would be an extraordinary accomplishment. But losing it three times in the last five years, that's going to hurt too. <laughs> I mean, that's not uh, – fans, fans want to get this trophy. They want to bring it just back to Spokane. I, I think it's time – you know, you look at this Gonzaga program, I think, for the first – 15 or so years of Mark Few's head coaching job, they were just like, they were making the tournament. They were 10 seeds, 11 seeds, maybe at best they were a six or a seven seed. And so they were a lot of round of 32 exits, a few sweet 16 exits. And, and now you're, you're talking about a team in the last five or six years that that's no longer the expectation. 
they're a one seed, they're maybe a two seed. They had a couple of years where they were a four seed, but every time, like the goal is, you're making the Sweet 16, you're going to the Elite Eight, like you're doing that. I mean, they've made the Sweet 16 seven years in a row now. So at some point, like you don't want to say that you just expect that. And certainly Memphis proved that it's it's not easy to get there, even even when you are the number one overall seed. But uh, at this point, the expectation for this program is 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 pretty much championship or bust, which is a lot of pressure, especially for a really young team. But when you're getting the number one overall recruit in the country, when you got a guy who could be a top three pick, when you have a player of the year candidate in Drew Timmy, when you have arguably the best point guard in the country, like you, <laughs> you got to get there. Like you, you kind of don't have a whole lot more excuses. So this is uh, this is a really really big year for Gonzaga because a lot of those guys aren't going to be around going forward. So uh, that's kind of where the fan base is at. Is they need to get you know they need to, they got a lot of a lot of good games in front of them before they get there. But that's kind of where where the expectation is set right now. You know, it's kind of crazy to think that Arkansas, you know, they had to go to Buffalo this past weekend, and now they travel all the way across country to San Francisco mm-hmm. when people are talking about time zones and everything. Uh, Razorback fans, well, they'll be there, but it'll be just it's really tough for them to find flights mm-hmm. and find things that are affordable. So we'll see what the fans look like there. What about Gonzaga? How well, because this is the first time we've seen them in tournament play, at least for Arkansas. Mm-hmm. Did the fans travel really well? Do you expect a lot of fans there in San Francisco from Gonzaga? Oh, it's going to be loud. Yeah, I tell you that right now. There's a lot of Gonzaga fans who live in the Bay Area. It's a really commonplace, obviously. Tech boom, so there's you know there's a lot of people in that area. Uh, they're going to travel extremely well from Portland, from Seattle, from Spokane. Uh, obviously, Gonzaga plays about half of their conference games are in the Bay Area between the University of San Francisco and St. Mary's, Santa Clara. All three of those teams are you know within a half an hour of San Francisco proper. So I think there's going to be a big contingent of fans who who are already down there who are going to travel down there. Uh, yeah, I I was at the games in Portland, and uh, obviously Portland's a little bit closer geographically, but that place is absolutely rocking. And uh, I've been to probably a hundred Blazers games in that arena, and I've never heard it louder than it was in that Gonzaga Memphis game. I know those those same Zag fans are going to bring it down in San Francisco too. Also, it could be a little bit sweeter this time around if they are able to. Uh ultimately win a championship coach few his son is on the roster so that mm-hmm. uh that in itself i'm sure is a good feeling to be able to have his son on the roster mm-hmm. and coach his son yeah oh no, no doubt I, I i made me feel so old because i remember seeing that kid be a ball boy when i was in college that wasn't even that long ago but a uh, very cool opportunity for for joe to be on the roster and, and uh, getting a chance to get into some of those late games uh, during conference play as well yeah, so is this you mentioned the the championship or bust? Just kind of forecasting a little bit of Gonzaga, is this kind of like their one year to do it, and then next year it's going to be a little tougher? Because it seems like they're good every year, but uh, what's kind of the future holds for the next few years with Gonzaga? Or can we expect them to perennially be number one overall seed, one seed in the tournament? Like, or they're going to be good this good for the next four uh, few years? It'll be interesting to see. I think that's a really, really interesting question. Uh, you know, last year's roster was was loaded, and we knew they were going to lose a ton of talent. Uh, but we knew we also knew Chet Holmgren was coming in, and once we found out that Drew Timmy was coming back, and we knew Andrew Nembhard was going to be there, it was kind of like, okay, I think we're really, you know, we're, we're going to rebuild. And, and I don't know that a lot of people fully expected them to to basically run the table as the number one seed and and be where they were at at the end of the year. That's a, a credit to the coaching staff for for getting this group kind of rolling at the right time, but. Next year's roster, you know, obviously is not going to be Drew Timmy. Uh, they're going to lose Bolton, the grad transfer. Uh, or there's not going to be Chet Holmgren. There's, I don't know what Drew Timmy's going to do. I think there's part of me thinks there's a reasonable chance that he does come back. He's got a lot of NIL opportunities. He doesn't have a game that really translates well into the NBA. 
Uh, I don't see that changing. Uh, it didn't really, it didn't impact him last year. He didn't come back this year and really improve upon the things that he would need to improve upon to be an NBA player. He's not a good outside shooter. He doesn't do particularly well laterally as a defensive player, which would make him a challenge for pick and roll. Uh, so I think there's a chance he comes back. Uh, and then there's a couple other complimentary pieces that it are still up in the air. Strother could go to the NBA. Uh, the two freshman guards, Nolan Hickman, Hunter Salas, they are reasonably could look at the NBA, although none of them have been playing big minutes in the tournament, which kind of makes me think Gonzaga is going to roll it back with a pretty similar roster stands Chet Holmgren, which is obviously a massive loss, but if they can get themselves a, a high-level rim protector in the, in the transfer portal, uh, I think there's a reasonable chance that this is still a very, very good team next year. Having said that, last year's team and this year's team, probably the two best chances that Gonzaga is going to have to win a national championship. So if they don't do it this year, uh, I think the path is going to be harder next year. If uh, Timmy or Holmgren happen to get into foul trouble, what's kind of the backup plan? What's been the rotation there as far as the bigs? Yeah, uh, front court depth is probably one of is one of Gonzaga's other weaknesses as well. Anton Watson is the backup. Uh, he plays both kind of the center and the forward position. Uh, he's been fantastic this year. I'm a huge supporter of him. There's segments of the fan base that are less supporters of him. He's he's not a great outside shooter. He's a, a efficient low post scorer, but not you know not at the level of Timmy or Holmgren. Uh, but he's a phenomenal defensive player. He's about six eight, well built kid. Uh, they, they use him a lot when they do half-court traps or when they do full-court press. He's super athletic, got really quick hands, plays great defense. But, again, he can't stretch the floor offensively, uh, and he's a bad free-throw shooter, so he's a, he's a bit limited in that regard. I mean, and he's 6'8", so the size does come down when Drew Timmy or Chet Holmgren are off the floor. Uh, fortunately, they have been very good at avoiding foul trouble. That has been something that is, is a big strength of Chet and one that doesn't get talked about all that often is how, how good he is at, at not fouling. Uh, he, it was uh, harder for him against Memphis because obviously they have a very, very talented front court in Jalen Duran and DeAndre Williams. But if, if he does get in foul trouble or if Drew Timmy gets in foul trouble, uh, Watson is very, very good, but the depth behind that is, is it basically non-existent. Ben Gregg has not played in, in many weeks, and he is their fourth big on the roster. They could go with some small ball lineups potentially. I think they could probably get away with that against Arkansas just because of the size uh, on that roster, but it's not something they've done very much this year. So that would be perhaps the best way to really frustrate Gonzaga is to get those two bigs in foul trouble, uh, and obviously something that Note is very good at doing, and if, if they're able to do that, the depth there is questionable. All right, we got about 30 seconds real quick for you, Andy. Is there any, like, we do a hog call here, woo pig suey here. What's something that the fans can see from Gonzaga? What's their chant? What's their cheer? What do they do? <laughs> well, the Zombie Nation is the song that they play with three minutes to go before the game starts, and there's a whole choreographed dance that the, the student section does. Uh, they also have We Are GU chants, uh, Score Zag Score, hence why I named my initial podcast that. That's a very common chant uh, by the fans at the Kennel Club as well. It's a, it's a really enthusiastic, energetic student section, and, and games there are an absolute blast. Yeah, I guess we'll, we'll find out uh, how it all goes down there in San Francisco, man. It'll be a great one. Appreciate you hopping on with us, Andy. Man, enjoy the game, and good luck, all right? Thank you. Appreciate it.